Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Dark Chatter. This is Jessica. This is Nicole. And this is Meg. Welcome back. I New Year, everybody. Oh yeah, Happy New Year. Let's let's uh. It's like the end of the month. It's gonna be February by the time this comes out. Oh, for sure. February twenty twenty four. Just, just you know. we'll get around to it. Uh, life, life happens. It's always happening. Life so. is always happening. So take that and do what you will with it. Mystically, spiritually, <laughs> metaphysically, I don't care. Anyways, so we're back. It is 2023. Hi. Um, the girls are joining me to help me finish up the I can't handle you too. Wow. Scout's like sniffing she and was like, like sitting so chill. And then she finds a ball. She's bouncing it. The curse continues as soon as I start talking. Yeah. Like she was just laying there, just chilling quietly. She's fine. Okay. I don't so, I don't think fine. it'll pick it up. We do, like I said, there's meowing and <laughs> we're super professional. You fine. know. <laughs> this is like high quality podcast podcasting, like high quality. Chef's kiss. <laughs> okay. So previously on Dark Chatter. <laughs> we dove into the Jonestown People's Temple cult, and I gave you all some back history on Reverend Jim Jones, James Jones, and all of his. What is his name? His name is James Jones. However, he goes by Jim Jones. So it's usually when I'm reading it, Jimmy Jones, Jimmy Jam, give me little Jim Jones. No, when I'm reading it, it's James parentheses Jim. Jones, and then there's also like Reverend Jones. So there's a lot of Jones going on on my screen. Is there a Cotton Eye Joe? (laughs) There's always a Cotton Eye Joe. What about Memphis Jones? (laughs) (laughs) Now you have to tell a story about Memphis Jones because our listeners don't know. Let me tell you a little story about Memphis Jones. So, (laughs) (laughs) 1932 South Carolina. So, my son, um, when he was in fourth grade, under his uh, picture in the yearbook, they put his name as Memphis Jones. His name is not Memphis Jones. It's not anything even close to Memphis Jones. There's no kid that goes to their school that is named Memphis Jones. So that is now my son's alter ego. There's not, they, they don't even start with like, it's not like, oh, they got the let, first letter right. Medically, no. Yeah, no, nothing. There's nothing even resembling it. <laughs> Uh, I love it. But anyway, so yes, James Jim Jones, the first. Uh, everybody should have gotten his backstory a little bit on the last episode, just in Not summary. The, last, the one before that. Something like okay. that. Yeah. The Previous. last time. Previously on. Yeah. We didn't say which previous one. Which previous. <laughs> well, she said the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to try to say like in season, whatever, but we're not in seasons. We, we just are anyways. So he is the founder of, <laughs> she is the founder of the people's temple uh, church, which would eventually grow into quite a large cult 
following and we're picking up with him and his following. We're picking up with him and his followers in 1977. Okay. So picture it. So (laughs) by this time, Jim is uh, speaking at, Churches in California, they have their existing one um, in his hometown. And so he's really started an empire. It's taking off. They're in San Francisco. They're in Los Angeles. Um, They're getting some pretty hefty donors. And so they start getting a little bit of media attention. And it doesn't always go doesn't always shed positive light on the group itself. So in 1977, Jones started getting a lot of heat from the press because there were stories coming out of abuse and manipulation and not so on the up and up sexual activities. Let's just say that. I don't know how to phrase that nicely. And so at that time, he he's really gaining in his paranoia and his the world is against me mindset. Um, just a reminder, he's a heavy Marxist that grew up idolizing individuals like Adolf Hitler and their pageantry and power sources and their ability to manipulate people. So he starts getting some pressure, giving into his his paranoia or his just desire for ultimate power, he moves a thousand of his followers, 1000 people follow him to a jungle where he founds Jonestown, um, very humbly named after himself, obviously. And they build this commune in the middle of the jungle. There's pictures of the burning of the existing wood to clear out. Um, and it, it's, it was designed and sold as a utopian society. So no racism, no classism, no sexism. Everybody's equal. Uh, great place to raise your children, right? Just trying to sell this utopian society. What country is this jungle in? Uh, it is Guyana. So South America. Okay. Um, so... They're they're established. There there's a thousand people living and working in this commune in the middle of the Guyanese jungle, and the United States Embassy in Guyana sends word to the U.S. State Department that kind of raised the red flag of hey we have this entire American community living in another you know in a setup and established in a foreign nation and we're not ruling or governing any of it you know so it really got um concerns raised about what are they doing to the local government like what's their impact and then they were also worried about you know normal things like civil administration health care education because there's families and children living here so space it was more like wait where are taxes from these people? We need to tax yeah. these people. <laughs> well, obviously, yes. It was, It was again, like the society was supposed to be, it was meant with, like, good intentions. So in November of 1978, U.S. Congressman Leo Ryan traveled to Guyana to investigate the rumors that were swirling about the physical, psychological, and monetary abuse that the followers were experiencing. So he arrived to the settlement and it was all smiles, happy rainbow butterflies. Everybody here wants to be here, is healthy and fed and happy. And he's like, well, shit, okay, this looks good. Uh, Y'all have a nice day. And he was going to return home the following following afternoon. Uh, He gave a little speech about how beautiful their settlement was and everything. Um, But then that night, so the night of November 17th, 1978, he received a 
he was secretly delivered a letter from followers who wanted to escape, who wanted out. And um, the writer of the letter was a follower named Vernon Grosny. And that letter was shown to Jim, to, to Reverend Jones, by Congressman Ryan. And with cameras rolling, he said, here's a letter of people wanting to defect from your from your organization. What are your thoughts on this? What? And like, why would you even do that, though? It's I, I agree. Uh, I think that there was enough journalists with him there that wanted to get the scoop, get the dirt, you know, that the cameras had to be rolling to get the drama. But, oh it, my but yes, you're 100 percent right with your annoyance that this set off a train of events that were all part of this man's paranoia. So the def- there was 15 defecting members and I watched the tapes of him being questioned and you can just see like, you ever just see evil and you see them just like getting mad. You're, they're trying to put on a good face, but they're just getting mad that you're questioning them that's what he looked like in this video of I'm trying to stay calm and I'll talk about traitors and defectors, but I'm calm, but you could tell he was like raging and sorry, sidebar. You can edit this out if you want, but remind me to tell you about the, um, the guy they caught for the Idaho killings. I am Mm -hmm. so not editing that out and it will be a follow up after. That okay. Sorry. Have my, I'm hooked. Um, okay. So he, he's, he plays it cool on the video and the following morning, the 15 defecting members start to board his truck. And again, this is all being videotaped. The, some other members of this cult of, of the temples, people, people's temple, excuse me, I said that backwards decided to attack Senator uh, Congressman Ryan right there in camp in at the pavilion. So they physically attacked him and tried from what I could tell, they tried to stab him, the Congressman, but he made it out and there's video footage of him, like all disheveled, his shirt ripped, getting on the convoy convoy with the other, um, with the camera crew and the defecting members. This is where, Jones kind of takes this opportunity to incite more panic and fear amongst his people for control purposes. And then also he's just a dick. So he dispatched a group of armed men to meet the convoy at the airstrip that they were flying out of and kill them. One of the individuals that I will speak of later, she's a survivor. Her husband was on the back of the flatbed tractor trailer that, that was going to attack them. So he was one of the ones that shot at the, at the defectors, five people, including Congressman Ryan and three press members were shot and killed and 11 others were wounded. Ryan, uh, Congressman Ryan was shot in the head and Vernon Grosny, um, the writer of the letter was shot in the stomach three times by a loyalist that had posed as a defector and was actually in the 15 with them. Uh, Vernon actually thankfully survived, but he, he was leaving to protect his five-year-old son and he left his five-year-old son behind. So he had to leave behind his five-year-old son, Mark. Mark was unfortunately fed cyanide during the massacre and later while recovering from his gunshot wounds in the hospital he learned of his son's death and he would go on to move to Hawaii to quote unquote heal and he would become a policeman in Maui but his decision to leave his son at Jonestown is something he quote thinks of every single day Mm, how sad I know this I've written this and deleted it a few times because it's so bad. Like it is like horrid. So I've taken out a lot of like the really disturbing parts of the child aspect of this, but still it's dark. So trigger warning, it gets nasty from here. So after the shooting, 
Jones released radio orders to any temple members outside of the compound to commit suicide. Um, calls went to the temples in LA, in San Francisco, back home um, in his hometown. They also went to Georgetown, Guyana, where some of the members of the of the the group were there playing like in an, an adult basketball league or something. Jumping to gyms actually in the commune's pavilion, sitting on what everybody describes as a throne among his followers. He starts to announce, the congressman has been murdered. Please get the medication before it's too late. Don't be afraid to die. And so using Congressman Ryan's shooting as the trigger for his mass whatever murder, I it's, yeah. He, quote, says, there's no hope, no future. So later in what was referred to as the death tapes, Jones is heard giving the order to begin the revolutionary suicide plan at the compound, which members had practiced over and over in the past. So over the loudspeakers that could be heard throughout the pavilion, Jones said, I live for all and I will die for all. It's not worth living like this. Without me, life has no meaning. We have no other road. And he was calling the poison medication? Yes, medicine. So he also told them that the that Jonestown was surrounded by mercenaries who were coming to upend their lives and to take their children because they had killed the congressman. Um, he instructed everyone to die together peacefully by drinking um, a cyanide laced, it's potassium, it's, I think it's potassium cyanide laced uh, flavor aid punch that was being brought out in like gallons and gallons, like barrels of it were brought out. When the laced drink was brought out for everyone, Jones wanted the children to go first. This is because his his reasoning was that everyone, nobody would leave once they had killed their children. Everybody would be fated and they would stay because the children were gone. What else was there? Yeah. Um, armed guards were all around with guns and crossbows. Um in enforcing the order to take the cyanide uh, most obeyed willingly, although some were forcibly injected with the poison when they fought back. Um, and I'm going to talk about one woman in particular who, who really tried to get through to him and speak reason, but unfortunately was unsuccessful. So in total, 918 men, women, with nearly 300 children, died that day in the jungle. Jones himself died of a gunshot wound to the head. And there is some debate among researchers on whether he did it himself or if somebody else shot him trying to stop the massacre or if it was like an act of devotion to save him from having to suffer anything, you know? Um, by the time that the remains were found, his the bodies were already so far along in decomposition because they were just out in the open in the jungle. Uh, that it was hard for the examiners to tell, like it was inconclusive if he had any gun residue on his hands. Um, they had trouble telling which one, which temple was the entry and exit point. Um, there were just a lot of con conflicts about that. So there's no complete solid answer that he did die by suicide. Um, but many speculate that he did because he idolized Adolf Hitler and that's how Hitler went. What a loser. Right. Um, fewer than 100 temple members uh, in Guyana that day survived the massacre and most survivors had either defected or were in the Georgetown, like I said, with the basketball game. An ESPN report say shared that three of Jones's adult sons, Jim Jr., who was adopted, Tim and Stefan, survived because they were at the game. But all three would spend the next several decades dealing with their roles in their father's legacy. In 2019, Stefan Jones told Haritz, is that the name of the company or the newspaper? Um, that when they had gotten the radio order, like the walkie-talkie order to, to commence with the planned suicide, they actually pleaded with the U.S. Embassy in Guyana for a helicopter ride to the compound 
and told them what he was doing, the carrying out a mass murder suicide. And the supposedly this is alleged in a newspaper. I'm not going to, you know, state my name on this as fact, but supposedly the embassy wouldn't listen. But they wouldn't listen, he said. And he, even if he managed to get to help, he would have been too late. After the massacre, he spent a few months in a Guyanese prison because authorities were still trying to figure out what had happened, who was guilty, who was not guilty. Yeah, like who's ro- what role he had in everything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he would eventually return to the U.S. and he, w- he went through times where he struggled with drug addiction. And then thankfully, he s- settled into a quiet life of anonymity in California. So... The reason why I wanted to do the second part and not just finish up that description in the previous episode was that there are so many other people in this story than Jim Jones. And so I want to do one hero's mention of Christina Miller. And she, I I messed up and I listened to the tapes. I think I already said that. I've already listened. I listened to like a solid 20 minutes of the death tapes and I wish I hadn't. it is stuff that will that's messed with my head and I will probably have those audio tracks in my brain for a while. So if you're interested, they're online. I don't recommend it. They're sick as hell. It's it's you can hear the screaming, you can hear the babies crying. Oh. It it's it's fucked. Um and then you're hearing him telling them that it's cries of release and freedom and just telling them to hurry up with it all. Like, I can't tell you how many times he's like, can we just get this moving on? Can we move faster? Like, sure. You will, we'll kill ourselves and our children faster. You asshole. But Christina, sorry, I said her name is Christina earlier. Her name's Christine Miller. And she was born in Brownsville, Texas on June 4th, 1918. Uh, She is an African-American woman. This was the, she died in the seventies. So she was older. Sorry, Jessica had a confused look on her face. Yeah, I was thinking 1918. Wow. But yeah, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, this was a homestead of of every age. Yes, Christine was older by the time. Sorry. So, she, yes, she was born in 1918. And in letters that she wrote to Jones, she talked about working in the cotton fields and losing her mother at a very young age. She spent her entire life working and she eventually became a county clerk. And as her her self quote is, I pulled myself up by the bootstraps and her hard work paid off. She ended up in Los Angeles and she had enough money to buy a, a home, a car and still have money for jewelry, furs and travel and fun stuff. So she was oh, like dang. a ball. Dang know, girl. Fans. And um. She just was like a good person. She was a natural helper. And Jones's ideology on a utopian society and and everybody living peacefully together kind of got her attention because she grew up um, during the Jim Crow laws and just really his mission at the time when he was still doing normal church stuff, she really became loyal to him. and contributed significantly to his church, regularly giving to, you know, projects funded by the temple or anything that he wanted. Um, On January 3rd, 1978, she moved to Jonestown. But unlike many others coming, they, she showed up alone. She didn't have family. So she arrives in, in Jonestown alone and she tried to adjust to the pace, but she wasn't happy. She wasn't happily li- happy living isolated in the jungle community. Um, she wrote letters to, to Jones saying that she felt she had come too far to be pushed as hard as she was being pushed in Jonestown. Like, remember, this girl's already broken her back picking cotton. Like, hell no, I don't I have money now. I don't have to do this manual labor. And so she's feeling really like she had more value back in the, in America where she could work 
and do her own thing, but then just donate her check to, you know, donate to the cause instead of trying to live it in Jonestown. And she told Jim that she felt, or Jones, Jim Jones, that she, <laughs> Jim Jones, that she felt like a liability. And, um, unlike many in Jonestown, she, she didn't leave a slum or a ghetto to be there. She left an affluent life where she had worked hard to be. And, so she would remind people she was not a soft-spoken woman. She was just tell it like it is. And I've come too far for this. And I'll, I'll call it like I see it. A spade's a spade. Um, one, one example of her badassery that I found was in meetings prior to the, the November massacre. She um, pisses off Reverend Jones and he's frustrated with her because she has vocal independence and the reports that I've found. And these are reports the, uh, from journals of the deceased that were left in their, in their um, cottages. So based on some of the um, journal entries about Christine and Jones and their weird dynamics and how he really depended on her, but it, they there's one meeting where he actually pointed a gun at her and told her he could shoot her and no one would ever find her because they were in the middle of the jungle. And Christine replied, you can shoot me, but you're going to have to respect me first. And apparently he just repeated his threat that he would kill her and she didn't back down and she just said it again. And he came down off of his stage and pointed the gun directly at her head, like point blank at her head. And with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The, the journal entry claims that she looked him square in the eye and said, you can shoot me, but you will respect me. And he backed off in front of everyone. And that was very telling of their weird bond or whatever you want to call it because nobody got talked got to talk back like he's he's the ultimate ruler he's made himself a messiah you call him father you don't talk back to father but christine did and unfortunately um christine did not survive the the massacre however on the death tapes this is why she stood out to me because while i was listening to the things I should never have listened to. You can hear her come on and Jones is trying to tell them there's no point. There's no, there's no hope left. And she fights back tooth and nail. And one of the last things that she's heard like clearly saying is I disagree when there's life, there's hope. And she just, she didn't want to see them killing the babies. Like she just was like, there's hope. We can go somewhere else. We can leave. Russia apparently had given them some sort of nod of acknowledgement that maybe they could go there. Um, she just fought, fought really hard to try to appeal to him. But unfortunately, she did not survive. Um, but I just wanted to bring her up. I know I'm about to talk to some actual uh, talk about real survivors, but I think remembering Christine's name as well is important because she, I believe that she was probably one of the ones that was forcibly injected. Like, I don't think that she would have drinking the, the, what was it called again? Not Kool-Aid. Flavor-Aid. The knockoff. Yeah, Flavor-Aid. Thank you. Uh, I don't think yeah. she would have taken that. They were like syringing it into the kids' mouths and stuff like ah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some of the survivor stories are going to be a little rough. Um, I'm. I hope that I'm saying this next woman's name right. Hyacinth. It's H Y A C I N T H. Like the flower. 
Yeah. Hi, say it. Yeah. Hyacinth. Hyacinth. Okay. Yeah. I've never said that. I'm not a botanist. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so Hyacinth Thrash was an African-American woman who entered People's Temple in 1957 while the church was still located in Indianapolis. Indianapolis, excuse me. Uh, she joined with her sister, Zipporah Edwards. Um, it's cute. Her, her sister goes by Zip or Zippy in some of it. It's so cute. Um, in her memoirs, she describes the inequality and the hypocrisy of Jones, that he had access to the best foods. He His cottage had air conditioning and warm water, window screens. And she says the others didn't have luxuries like that. And she recalls that on the day of November 18th, Hyacinth sister came into her cottage telling her that everybody was being called to the pavilion and she refused because she was sick and ultimately fell asleep the night of the suicides she woke up the following day and was the only one alive yikes every she found all of the dead bodies including her sister at the pavilion at the day after the murder the massacre so they thought that she was already dead because she was asleep? No, they just didn't realize uh, she wasn't there. Like, she, oh. they called everybody to the pavilion, and then there's 900 people. Oh, gotcha. She they didn't just, make it to the pavilion because she was asleep. She missed the announcement. Yeah. So her sister, she told her sister, I'm not going. I'm tired. I'm sick or whatever. And so her sister went. And the next morning, she was among the dead bodies that Hyacinth found. Hyacinth found. Um, she was alone with the the deceased for um, in and stayed in her cottage after that until Guyanese soldiers found her. In Do you know what? Huh? How, how much? How much after the massacre that that was? It was that uh, it took a day for them to find her. Oh, so she woke up the day after. So think. Then the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1995, she published a memoir, The Onlyest One Alive. Sorry, detailing her experience with the People's Temple and then her experiences in Jonestown. Because keep in mind, she had been with them from 1957 to 1978. That's a lot of, I mean, think about... For me, I was trying to put myself in her shoes, which again was stupid because my brain. Um, because my brain? Because of how my brain works. But not only was her sister among the dead, but like I couldn't live having seen people I know. And, you know, I've been living there in this community for a year. She knew everyone. And then the babies and the kids, like I couldn't. So kudos for her for making it because in this next interview in also in 1995, she shared, Oh, and these are one of the, this is one of the ones I was debating taking out, but she said, she shared, I remember those babies marching past our place with little paper hats on wearing sandals and sun suits and matching shorts and tops. It's enough to make you scream your lungs out thinking those babies are dead. Oh, I, I started crying at that interview. Um, however, again, going back to think about the amount of time she was with him, it didn't take her long to forgive him. And by the 10th anniversary of Jim Jones Holocaust, she told a reporter, I just don't feel nothing towards him now. No bitterness towards him. I was at times, but I prayed to the Lord because you can't hate nobody. So I was healed of that. Coincidentally, she died November 18th, 1995 on the 17th anniversary. That's crazy. Yeah. I was like, holy mackerel. Um, The next woman uh, is Leslie Wagner Wilson. And I mentioned her before. Her husband was one of the ones that went to uh, kill the congressman. Excuse me. (coughs) Sorry, I need water. Now, on 
on that day, Leslie and a group of others picked up on some duress. They, they kind of picked up on stuff was going down. So partly because of the other defectors that had been announced the night prior. So Leslie grabbed her three then three-year-old son and with nine others, they trekked over 30 odd miles through the jungle down railroad tracks to a town called Matthews Ridge. Um, Within the 24, within the following 24 hours, Leslie and the others would learn that Jim Jones had ordered the deaths and excuse me, among the dead were her mother, Inez Wagner, her husband, Joe, her sister, Michelle, brother, Mark and niece, Danielle and nephew, Darren. The group group that led them out was headed by Richard Clark, who she refers to as her Moses and a woman named Diane Louie, who trusted her enough to allow her and her son to escape with them. She's gone on to do a lot of amazing um, like life coaching and, and public type like talks and things about her experiences and what she learned and all that. Excuse me. Um, Tim Carter is another one of the survivors and he became an inner, a member of his, of the inner circle during his time in the people's temple. He became a chief enforcer and a member of both Jones security force and hit squad, a public relations operative and lead radio operator. Tim regularly assisted Jones and other inner circle members with difficult or important tasks. So it really makes sense that he would receive one final order from Jones on this day. Along with his brother, Michael, Michael Carter, and a fellow Jones follower, Michael Prokes, they were um, instructed to flee Jonestown with three suitcases containing $1.6 million in cash and gold. Um. They were told to take the money in plastic wrap, the in plastic wrapped one hundred dollar bills, one and one ounce gold wafers, to the Soviet embassy in Guyana's capital, Georgetown. <laughs> now Carter overheard Jones talking with other top aides and um, Mistress Maria Katsaris, who was telling Jones that the stuff, quote unquote was ready, but it's awfully bitter. Um, Jones then asks her something like, what can we do about the bitterness? Like, and I think they added sugar or something to try to make it less cyanide tasting. Um, so realizing what was about to happen, Carter actually tried to, to save his wife and son and offered to pose with his family as defectors and go to San Francisco to kill a former temple member who had turned on Jones. So he was trying to play on like, oh, you hate this guy. I'll go kill him and um, try to get out of there. But it's said that Jones turned to him coolly and said, will you take care of your son before you go? Meaning kill him. And he said he dumbfoundedly shook his head at Jones and then ended up going and trying to work on what he'd asked them to do, um, heading off with his brother and then the other Michael Prokes. And they went to Jones's cottage. They got the three suitcases. And as they returned to the pavilion, Carter saw his 15-month-old son, Malcolm, and Gloria, his wife, poisoned with the cyanide. He's quoted as saying, and here's Sharon Cobb, a pediatric nurse practitioner with a syringe in Malcolm's mouth. Malcolm was dead with his little lips covered with foam, which is what happens when arsenic and cyanide as it forms at the mouth, foams at the mouth, excuse me. (sighs) Uh, Carter later told CNN that he put his arms around Gloria as she was holding Malcolm and just kept sobbing. I love you. I love you. I love you so much. Um, 
she wasn't dead yet. She was in the process of dying. And there's more of his interview online if you would like to read it. Um, but it's pretty graphic, so I'm not going to. Uh, so with no other choice than completing their mission, the three men hiked to the village port of Katuma before burying some of the cash and ditching the suitcases. Um, they would be soon arrested and later accused of being complicit in Jones' plans. Um, with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before being cleared of any blame, though, Mark... Michael Prokes did take his own life. Two days after the massacre, Carter went back to Jonestown to help identify bodies. And he said, as I walked through the pavilion, I identified what bodies I could. I saw the injection marks in people's arms. I saw one in the back of somebody's head. I saw them on somebody's neck. It was really evident to me that people had been just flat out murdered, held down and injected the ones that didn't want to drink the poison. Uh, He says to this day, he lives with the trauma of Jonestown. Uh, He said, somebody was trying to kill us all and my family was killed as well. I cannot describe the agony, terror and horror of what that was. He murdered my wife, my son, my sister, my niece, my nephew, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law. And that's how I feel about Jim Jones. Is what she is that poor guy have any family left? His brother survived, but that's it. Um, so I stopped there because the rest just get even more traumatic and graphic about the description of the way that the bodies were were found. And um I will just say that his surviving son, uh, Jim Jones Jr., has done many interviews. One of them, I I know he was interviewed by Oprah. Um, There is a mass grave uh, for, I think, a few hundred, 400 of the bodies were buried um, in, hold on, I'm trying to find where that mass grave is. It's a cemetery. I think it's here in California. While I look for that cemetery, I will say that um, Leslie Wagner, who lost her, who escaped through the jungle, saved her three-year-old son, but lost many more of her family, including her husband. um, She wrote a book uh, called Slavery of Faith and speaks out with resources and um, churches and associations, women groups, and just trying to get to whoever wants to listen in order to encourage them to get out of tragic circumstances. Um, and she also has talks on the resiliency of the human spirit and a lot of other good material. Um, I will find where that cemetery is. It's in, it's in Oakland, California. It's called Evergreen Cemetery. Thank you. I'm going through like tab after tab on my screen. So... Nicole for the win. Um, most of my information was collected from the San Diego State University, where some of the survivors actually um, contribute to the study of Jonestown and the websites Jonestown Jonestown dot uh, dot edu. If anybody wants to go and check out the resources from where I did my readings and stuff, yeah, uh, there's a lot more like a lot a lot you could probably do an entire podcast on jamestown but jonestown excuse me i'm sure Uh, there are podcasts i'm sure there are oh yeah it's just it got a little too dark for me after a a while of of just the stories i mean you you say oh yeah 900 people committed suicide or were murdered but then when you start reading like 900 biographies and recognizing souls and yeah i can't i can't tell you how much I regret listening to the 20 or 20 minutes or so of the death tapes that I did listen to because it was fucking horrifying. So if anybody wants to listen, 
surprised you did because you you out of like you're too sensitive for stuff like that. It was I was starting to spiral on like a psychology side of things where I was like, I just need to understand this guy's this guy's brain. Like I don't understand. And listening to him really didn't provide me any additional clarity. It just scared me to my bones of this is the type of person that a thousand people followed. Like I just, I don't get it. And it's tragic and it breaks my heart because most of those people really truly wanted to just live in a world where racism and bigotry and all the other bullshit that people have to deal with didn't exist and it cost them their lives. And we're still fighting for that crap today. And it's just sad and it makes me mad. <laughs> so this was emotional for me. So hope you guys liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have to go. So there was, what made me think of it was you were saying like, you know, when you see like, a crazy person like make a certain like face or their eyes or whatever. So I was watching Dateline, the newer episode about the um I don't what is it, Brian? He was the Kohlberger. He, Brian Kohlberger. He is not convicted, but he's been charged with the Idaho college murders, right? Mm-hmm. There was a uh a photo that Dateline, like a, a, a still of him in court being arraigned or whatever, and his eyes were like so crazy. Like you could like total psychopath. But what I wanted to tell you specifically, Meg, is this dude looked so much like that crazy guy that I went on a date with in December. <gasps> Like I had a block from everything because he like got crazy on me. Yeah. So it w- I was like, what in the heck? Like the same build, the body type, the coloring, the face. I was like, oh, oh, these, they have to be related. And yeah, it was so weird. Uh, should I look into that? <laughs> I mean, no. Yeah, I'm never going to see that guy again. No, it's better if you don't. And I I know what like face you're talking about because I've been following that story as well. And I actually thought of somebody that we used to hang out with that I dated for a hot minute that was friends with other friends. I'm trying to be discreet about it, but I'll edit this. I I know. I think I know who you're talking about, but... Why, wait, Koberger reminds you of him? Mm-hmm. Of the, like, creepy face that, like... Is the first initial J? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I know who yeah. you're talking about. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I could see that. I was like, oh, that is why I stopped dating that guy, because he had the creepy things. <laughs> and then several <laughs> other reasons, but... um. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're related because come to think of it, so Koberger sounds very Jewish to me and the guy that I dated was Jewish as well. Is he... F- oh, God, now I'm going to look into it. <laughs> I probably still have that guy's information. You probably do. Yeah. I don't know if he's one of the ones I downloaded the back report, background report on. I shall find out, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> he probably did. Oh, um yeah for those of you who don't know like i go super stalker before jess goes on like any dates with anyone and that way we have the deets if we have to make them disappear (laughs) we find some funny stuff sometimes so there's this one well i don't know if megan found her i found her or whatever it had said the guy guy was married but the guy um, never told me he was married. Oh, I, I do I remember. I figured out if that was true or not. I mean, his name was kind of generic, but it was spelled differently than than the standard. Um, I found a marriage certificate. I never found a divorce record. Just saying. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad you stopped dating him and blocked him on everything. And I hope that it wasn't his cousin or distant relative that did the Idaho stuff. 
did the I don't know. I, I'm not, she's not. <laughs> That's how I'm like, oh, I don't know. We found some creepy stuff on people on the internet. Reminder, don't share your location on yeah. social media. Again, don't share your location on social media. Don't share nudes. Yes. Dating 101. <laughs> if you have to, don't include your face. <laughs> if you feel so compelled, at least don't include your face or birthmarks or tattoos or any other identifying information. Hell, if you got to work those feet to make a little extra rent money, just, yes, keep your location and your... Uh, Oh, God, I just gave them an idea. <laughs> OnlyFans? Find us on OnlyFans.com? <laughs> I have tattoos on both of my feet, so it'll never work. What we have to do to survive, girl. These are desperate <laughs> times. Girl, California ain't cheap. Nowhere's cheap anymore, but I get it. I get it. But just keep it anonymous. Exactly. <laughs> Oh my god, if I find dark chatter on OnlyFans, I'm gonna lose it. Girl, it's anonymous, okay? Anonymous. <laughs> Come on. Phenomenal. Oh. Um ugh. any recommendation, ladies? Man, I mean, I'm still on season five of Outlander, but they did just announce that they are doing the eighth and final season. Okay. So there's that. I think I've talked about this show before, but they did not renew it for a season two. And I am pissed. What? Vampire Academy on Peacock needs to be renewed. Hashtag renew Vampire Academy, bitches. Wasn't that like super like kitschy and cheesy corny, but it like knew it was corny. This one is done well. The books are amazing. The movie was the kind of cheesy that knows it's cheesy, but also didn't know it was as cheesy. Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the overloaded Cheez-Its, you know? Yeah. A little yeah. too much. Too spicy. Too spicy. <laughs> too spicy. Um, I thought it was very well done. I thought it was a good show. I adore the books. It They did stray from the books, but it's a show that nerds need and cool people are canceling it. And I'm a jet. I'm, I'm pissed. I don't like it. You Save the empire. If, well, you should see if there's like a petition or something like that to bring it back. Girl, I already signed four. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I'm following all of the Instagram accounts. Dean one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Any recommendations, Nicole? No, I'm just rewatching Pretty Little Liars currently for probably like the seventh time. <gasps> Any other rewatcher podcast? <laughs> um. No. All we need to do is manage one more thing, another podcast. Yeah. Well, so speaking maybe. of that, I do want to have, I do want to start a Criminal Minds podcast. I like it. I already have a name picked out. Is it Criminal Minds? Calling it because it might get ripped off. Oh, yeah. yeah of course. Well, to be later announced. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Okay, friends, thank you for joining us for another episode of Dark Chatter. We hope that your 2023 is going better than the last three. And take care. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>